Epistles 38-61 through 61, from the Life of Apollonius of Tyana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Apollonius of Tyana by Flavius Philostratus, translated by F. C. Conybear. Volume 2, The Epistles of Apollonius of Tyana. Epistle 38, To the People of Sardis. You award no prizes for good qualities, for what good qualities have you? But if you were inclined to compete for the first prize in vice, you would all win it at once. Who is it that says such things about the people of Sardis? The people of Sardis themselves. For the people there, no one is the friend of another, to the extent of denying out of goodwill the most monstrous charges. Epistle 39 to the same people. The very names of your social orders are disgusting. Witness the Kodari and the Exuricitori. These are the first names you give your children, and you are lucky to be worthy of them. Epistle 40 to the same people. Kodari and Exuricitori. And how are you going to call your daughters and your wives? For they too belong to the same castes, and are more forward than yourselves. Epistle 41 to the same people. You cannot expect even your servants to be well-wishers of yourselves, firstly because they are servants, and secondly because most of them belong to castes opposed to your own, for they too, like yourselves, have their pedigrees. Epistle 42 to the Platonic thinkers. If anyone offers money to Apollonius, and he considers the donor to be worthy, he will accept it, if he is in need. But for his philosophy, he will take no reward, even though he be in want. Epistle 43. To those who are puffed up with wisdom. If anyone professes to be my disciple, let his profession be that he remains within his house, that he abstains from all bathing, that he kills no living creature, nor eats flesh, that he is exempt from feelings of jealousy, of spite, of hatred, of slander, of enmity, in order to bear the name of a free man and belong to their class. For surely he must beware of carrying about a pretense of manners and character, and a language which he merely feigns, in order to make others believe that he leads the life which he does not. Farewell. Epistle 44 to Hestiaeus, his brother. Other men regard me as the equal of the gods, and some of them even as a god. But until now, my own country alone ignores me, my country for which in particular I have striven to be distinguished. What wonder is there in this? For not even on you, my brothers, as I perceive, has it clearly dawned that I am superior to most men both in my language and in my character. For otherwise, how could you judge me so harshly as to need to be reminded of all these matters about which, as about no others, even the dullest persons are likely to resent instruction, to wit, about country and brethren? Nevertheless, you must be aware that it is a noble thing to regard the whole earth as your country, and all men as your brethren and friends seeing that they are the family of one God, that they are of one nature, 
and that there is a communion of each and all in speech, and likewise in feeling, which is the same, no matter how or where a man has been born, whether he is barbarian or whether he is a Helen, so long only as he is a man. But there is, it must be admitted, a kinship which overrides philosophical theory, and a familiarity which attracts to itself everything that shares it. So the Odysseus of Homer, as they relate, did not prefer even immortality when a goddess offered it to Ithaca. And for my own part, I notice that this law pervades even the animal kingdom, for there is not a single bird that will sleep away from its own nest. And though the fishermen may drag the tenants of the deep from their lair, yet they will return unless they are overcome. As for wild beasts, neither hunger nor satiety induces them to remain outside their holes. And man is one of these creatures that nature hath so produced, even though he bear the name of sage, for whom all the earth may supply everything else, but can never call up before his eyes the sepulchres of his fathers. Epistle 45 to the same if philosophy be the most precious thing in existence, and if we are convinced that we are philosophers, we cannot rightly be supposed to hate our brethren, and that for a mean and illiberal reason. For it appears our misunderstanding is on the point of money, and that is something we tried to despise even before we became philosophers. And therefore it is more likely and reasonable that you should suspect me of having neglected to write to you for some other reason than that. For in fact I was as much afraid to write you the truth, because you might think me boastful, as to write you less than the truth, for fear you might think me over-humble. And both of these things are equally annoying no less to brethren than to friends. Now, however, I have this information to give you. If heaven should perhaps consent, I will, after meeting my friends in Rhodes, shortly depart thence, and return to you towards the end of spring. Epistle 46 to Gordius They tell me that Hestiaeus has been wronged by yourself, in spite of your having been his friend, if indeed you are the friend of anyone. Beware, then, my Gordius, lest you find yourself in conflict not with the semblance of a man, but with the reality. My greetings to your son, Aristocleides, who may, I pray, never resemble yourself. And yet you, as a young man, were beyond reproach. Epistle 47 To the Senate and People of Tyana You command me to return to you, and I obey. For the greatest compliment a city can pay to one of its own citizens is to recall him in order to do him honor. And during the whole time that I have been away from your city, I have, although it may be presumptuous to say so, striven to win for you, by my sojourning abroad, good fame and name and good will and the friendship of distinguished cities and equally of distinguished men. And if you merit a still wider and higher consideration, it is only myself and my own natural gifts which are capable of an effort involving so much ability and seriousness. Farewell. Epistle 48 to Diotimus You make a mistake in supposing that I want anything either from yourself, with whom I have never had anything in common, 
or from anybody else like you, or under like circumstances. But in fact, even what I have expended on any object conducive to your welfare has been inconsiderable. I shall be best pleased, therefore, if you accept my kindness without incurring any expense yourself. For in no other way but this shall I retain my principles intact. And that this is my way, and this my attitude towards all my fellow-citizens, I might almost say towards all men, you can learn from the rest of the citizens who have accepted my kindness, as often as they stood in need thereof, but who have never been asked to make any return. Do not then take it amiss, if I have rebuked my servant as he deserved, for having in the first instance accepted anything, and if he at once handed back to Lysias your friend, and also a friend of my own, what he received, because he did not know personally any of your servants, whom you had left behind. But that there are two accounts of me current, and that they will continue to circulate even in the future, need I be surprised? For it is inevitable in the case of everyone at all prominent in any way, that there should be contradictory accounts of him in circulation. It was so with Pythagoras, with Orpheus, with Plato, and with Socrates. Not only were contradictory statements made about them, but they were embodied in writing as well. And we need not be surprised seeing that even concerning God himself, men's accounts differ from one another. However, good men, by a sort of natural affinity, will accept the truth just as bad men will accept the opposite. And we can afford to laugh at such people, I mean the worst sort. This much only it is right for the moment to impress upon you about myself, that even the gods have spoken of me as of a divine man, not only on many occasions to private individuals, but also in public. I shall shock you if I speak more, or more highly of myself. I pray for your good health. Epistle 49 to Ferrucianus I am very delighted with the letters which you have sent me, for they reveal much intimacy and reminiscence of my family, and I am sure that you are most anxious to see me and to be seen by me. I shall therefore visit you as soon as possible. Wherefore, please remain at home. And you shall converse with me when I have arrived at your residence, in preference to any of your other friends and intimates, since it is right that you should do so. Epistle 50 to Euphrates Even the most wise Pythagoras belonged to the class of demons, but you still seem to me to be utterly remote from philosophy and from true science, or you would neither abuse that great man nor persist in hating certain of those who follow him. You should turn to something else now, for you have missed your cue in philosophy, nor have you hit it off better than Phandorus when he aimed at Menelaus in the episode of the violation of oaths. Epistle 51 To the Same Person There are those who rebuke you for having taken money from the emperor. There would be nothing absurd in your doing so, were it not clear that you have taken money rewards for your philosophy on so many occasions and on such a large scale, and from so many persons, and from people whom you had got to believe that you were a philosopher. Epistle 52 To the Same Person 
if any one converses with a pythagorean and asks what boons and how many he shall derive from him i should myself answer as follows he will acquire legislative science geometry astronomy arithmetic knowledge of harmony and of music and of the physician's art godlike divination in all its branches and the still better qualities of magnanimity greatness of soul magnificence constancy reverence knowledge and not mere opinion of the gods direct cognizance of demons and not mere faith friendship with both independence of spirit assiduity frugality limitation of his needs quickness of perception quickness of movement quickness in breathing excellence of color health courage immortality and from you euphrates what have your companions obtained that you can keep surely no more than the excellence which you possess yourself epistle fifty three claudius to the senate of tyana apollonius your citizen a pythagorean philosopher has made a brilliant sojourn in hellas and has done much good to our young men having conferred upon him the honors he deserved and which are proper to good men who are so truly eminent in philosophy we have desired to manifest to you by letter our good will fare ye well epistle forty four apollonius to the censors of rome some of you have taken trouble to provide harbors and public buildings and enclosures and promenades but neither you yourselves nor your laws evince any solitude for the children of your cities or for the young or for women were it not so it would be a fine thing to be one of your subjects epistle fifty five apollonius to his brother everything when it hath reached maturity hath a natural tendency to vanish away and this is old age for every man after which he remaineth no more let not therefore the loss of thy wife in the flower of her age grieve thee beyond measure nor because such a thing as death is spoken of imagine that life is superior thereto when it is altogether inferior in the eyes of one who reflects make thyself then the brother of one that is a philosopher in the common acceptation of the word and in particular is a pythagorean and apollonius and restore the former estate of thy household for if we had found anything to blame in thy former wife we might reasonably expect thee to shrink from another union but inasmuch as she was consistently holy and pure and attached to her husband and therefore worthy of your regrets what should lead us to expect that a second wife should not resemble her nay she would in all probability be encouraged to improve in virtue by the fact that her predecessor was not forgotten nor wronged by neglect of her memory and would i pray thee seriously to concern thyself about the condition of thy brethren as up to the present it is for thy elder brother has never yet had offspring and though thy younger brother may still look forward to having a child yet it is only in the far future and so here are we three sons the children of a single father and we three between us have not a single son 
wherefore there is great risk no less for our country than for the life of our posterity for if we are better than our father though of course so far forth as he was our father we are worse how can we not reasonably expect our descendants to be still better i trust then that there may be some to whom we may at least hand on our names as our ancestors devised these for us for my tears i am not able to write thee more for i have nothing more important than this to write epistle fifty six to the people of sardis croesus lost the empire of the lydians by crossing the river halis he was taken alive he was bound in chains he was set upon the high raised pyre he saw the fire lit and the flames rising aloft he was saved for it appeared that he was honored and valued by the god what then ensued this man your progenitor and also your king who had suffered so much that he deserved not to suffer was invited to the table of his enemy and became his adviser and well-wisher his faithful friend but you in your relations with your parents your children your friends kinsmen and tribesmen evince nothing but truceless implacable irreconcilable hatred and worse than this unholy and godless frenzy ye have made yourselves hateful by neither crossing the halis nor receiving among yourselves any one from outside and yet earth bears you her fruit the earth is unjust epistle fifty seven to certain learned publicists light is the presence of fire without which it could not be now fire is itself an affection and that whereunto it comes is of course burnt up but light can only supply its own radiance to our eyes on condition of using not force to them but persuasion speech therefore in its turn resembles in its one aspect fire which is the affection and in its other the radiance which is light and i pray that the latter which is better may be mine unless indeed that which i speak of is beyond the reach of my prayer epistle fifty eight to valerius there is no death of any one save in appearance only even if there is no birth of any one or becoming except only in appearance for when a thing passes from essence into nature we consider that there is a birth or becoming and in the same way that there is a death when it passes from nature into essence though in truth a thing neither comes into being at any time nor is destroyed but it is only apparent at one time and later on invisible the former owing to the density of its material and the latter by the reason of its lightness or tenuity of the essence which however remains always the same and is always subject to differences of movement and state for this is necessarily the characteristic of change caused not by anything outside but by a conversion of the whole into the parts and by a return of the parts into the whole due to the oneness of the universe but if someone asks what is this which is at one time visible and at another invisible as it presents itself in the same or indifferent objects 
it may be answered that it is characteristic of each of the several genera of things here when it is full to be apparent to us because of the resistance of its density to our senses but to be unseen in case it is emptied of its matter by reason of its tenuity the latter being perforce shed abroad and flowing away from the eternal measure which confined it albeit the measure itself is never created nor destroyed why is it then that error has passed unrefuted on such a scale the reason is that some imagine that they have themselves actively brought about what they have merely suffered and experienced because they do not understand that a child brought into the world by parents is not begotten by its parents any more than what grows by means of the earth grows out of the earth nor are phenomenal modifications or affections of matter properties of the individual thing but it is rather the case that each individual's thing's affections are properties of a single phenomenon and this single phenomenon cannot be rightly spoken of or characterized except we name it the first essence for this alone is agent and patient making itself all things unto all and through all god eternal which in so far as it takes on the names and persons of individuals forfeits its peculiar character to its prejudice now this is of lesser importance what is of greater is this that some are apt to weep so soon as ever god arises out of mankind by mere change of place and not of nature but in very truth of things you should not lament another's death but prize and reverence it and the highest and only befitting honour you can pay to death is to resign unto god him that was here and continue to rule as before over the human beings entrusted to your care you dishonour yourself if you improve less through your judgment than by lapse of time seeing that time alleviates the sorrows even of the wicked high command is the most important of things and he will best succeed in the most important office who has first learnt to govern himself and what piety moreover is there in depicting that which has happened by the will of god if there is an order of reality and there is and if god presides over it the just man will not desire to deprecate his blessings for such conduct savours of avarice and violates that order but he will consider that what happens is for the best go forward then and heal yourself dispense justice and console the wretched so will you wipe away men's tears you must not prefer your private welfare to the public but the public to your private and think what manner of consolation is offered you the entire province has mourned with you for the loss of your son reward those who have grieved with you and you will far sooner reward them by ceasing to mourn than by confining yourself in your house you have no friends but you have a son what the one who is just dead you will ask yes will be the reply of all who reflect for that which exists is not lost but exists by the very fact that it will be for ever or would you argue that that which has no existence comes into being but how can you be without the description of that which is 
another might say that you are impious and unjust impious towards god and unjust towards your son nay impious towards him rather than towards god would you then learn what death is send and slay me the moment i have uttered these words and unless you can clothe them afresh with flesh you have there and then made me superior to yourself you have abundant time you have a wife who is sensible devoted to your husband you are yourself sound in body take from yourself whatever lacks one of the ancient romans in order to uphold the law and order of his state slew his own son and indeed slew him after crowning him you are a governor of fifty cities and noblest of the romans yet this present humour of yours is such as to prevent you from affording a stable government even to your household not to speak of cities and provinces if apollonius were with you he would have persuaded fabula not to mourn epistle forty nine the king of the babylonians garmos to neogindus the king of the indians if you were not of a prying disposition you would not be laying down the law in other people's affairs nor as sovereign in india would you be playing the judge for babylonians for how came you to know anything about my people but just recently you have made an attempt upon my kingdom by trying to cajole me with your letters and by insinuating into my realm such magistrates as these and you try to cloak under the veil of philanthropy your own aggressive designs but you will not succeed at all for you cannot deceive me or take me in epistle sixty to euphrates praxiteles of chalcis was a madman he appeared at my door in corinth together with your friend with a sword in his hand what then is the reason of his attempting my life for i have never driven off your oxen seeing that between your philosophy and mine there intervene very many shadowy mountains and an echoing sea epistle sixty one to lesbonax anacarsis the scythian was a sage but if he was a scythian then it was because he was a scythian end of epistles thirty eight through sixty one